sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. You're watching Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Rise and shine, sports fans. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Today is the 19th anniversary of September 11th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I am Dane Martinez. I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, the candle burner, live and direct, helping us give out winners and helpfully make you have a profitable day. We will try to put the fun in functional sports content at the same time. And Kevin, boy, did we have some football. What are your overall thoughts? I mean, it was exciting to have some football. I even saw stands, I mean, fans in parking lots tailgating, throwing the football around. The fans got loud in the stands at times, credit to the 16,000 plus people who were there. But ultimately, the Kansas City Chiefs defending their Super Bowl crown get off to a good start. They beat the Houston Texans 34 to 20. And I got to tell you something, Kev, we were talking about it off air with the addition of this rookie running back, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, out of LSU, right? The stats are one thing, but the value he provides to this Kansas City offense because now, like we were saying before, some teams may try to play them a certain way or pick the poison. Now, if you're going to say, okay, beat us with the run, the Chiefs have the ability to do that too. Yeah, they absolutely do. It's kind of like if you were to give out grades. They were never one-dimensional, but their passing game was always an A+. And now if the run game is also an A+, good luck. And to be fair, it was good luck before that. Uh, not only did the Chiefs get the cover, but this game went over. And I know this is something that you and I disagreed upon. Uh, you know, 54 total points. This is very much so a case uh, where people learned right away. Matters when you get it in. You know, it sat out there for a while. Yeah. 56 and a half. Boy, did it. And a half, 54 and a half. Mm-hmm. But then it came down to 53 and a half as well as 52 and a half. Uh, and ultimately, we get 54 points in this game. Now, uh, maybe you'll see it differently, but I look at 54 and I think that's a deserved over. Edward Delaire stopped at the goal line. I mean, if he's a good back, he might not ever get stopped inside the five again, just based on simple regression numbers. Uh, yeah, Demarcus mm-hmm. Robinson dropped the touchdown to open up that game. The missed two-point conversion took a couple of points off the boards uh, as well from the Houston Texans. And, you know, a lot of people wondering how much uh, would the play suffer? I thought the offenses, especially the Kansas City Chiefs, looked incredibly crisp and uh, really I don't think moving forward we have to say okay let's dock points off these totals hmm um I see what you're saying and besides uh, Robinson dropping some balls right two in the end zone one that was called a touchdown and then overturned one on one of those prototypical amazing Patty Mahomes plays on a play that was intended to be a swing pass for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. But then, you know, Mahomes magic and Robinson actually dropping it. The Chiefs were incredibly crisp. Yes. But then the 
question is, do you apply what many people believe might be the best offense in the NFL as the kind of trend that you're going to think will be across the NFL? I'm not so sure that I'm ready to say that. What we do know is that it is going to be very, very hard to defend the Chiefs, right? You talk about the A-plus run game versus pass game. You know, they made the point on the telecast that they were going to try to bend, not break. The Chiefs had, I believe, a 16-play drive at one point. You know, the idea that they were not going to have, but there weren't many over-the-top plays, right? You didn't see the Tyreek Hill bomb much. As we welcome the radio audience in around the country, there was that first, you know, touchdown that got overturned early in the first quarter. I don't know that there were many other deep passes is really and to me that signals that tennis uh not tennessee but houston was you know going to play them a certain way and now the kansas city chiefs have the answer when a defense you know poses slightly different questions i will also say this though kev on the houston side a lot of people you know with the deandre hopkins you know trade and move like oh they don't know what they're doing blah 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 david johnson i thought had an interesting game. 11 carries, 77 yards. He gets into the end zone as well. You know, we're lauding Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and he was awesome, right? He had about, he averaged over five yards a carry. David Johnson averaged over seven yards a carry as well. What do you think about from the Houston side of things? Yeah, I think David Johnson looked really nice uh, in his debut for this football team. Ultimately, uh, you know, Duke Johnson is someone who people always say, man, if they just let this guy work. Listen, while, right. DJ, while David Johnson is healthy, stop wasting time with Duke. He's not as good of a back. Uh, and there was a couple of times that Bill O'Brien tried to, you know, get cute and, and give him carries up the middle, uh, and it cost them dearly. I think the other thing as well, and it somewhat relates to the, to the total, but, you know, early in this game, fourth and four from, their own, from the 50, yeah. and the Texans punt. And, you know, Bill O'Brien tried to kill this total on his own. And in fact, actually later in the game on a fourth and three, the Texans 43, the Chiefs punted, but that was situational. Um, but the fact that Bill O'Brien seemingly didn't learn the lesson uh, of last year, the fact that he clearly took no time to, you know, the benefit of analytics probably didn't have the chance. He was too busy making trades. The hmm. Texans have to look at that fourth quarter and try and figure out uh, was there were those two touchdowns, right? The first time they had scored since the first quarter, since their second drive, a result of garbage time and being handed trips into the end zone, or do they actually find something there with high tempo and a lot of Watson out of the gun? Yeah, um, and for prop bet folks, for fantasy folks, garbage time matters. I mean, Deshaun Watson actually threw for more yards than Patty Mahomes somehow. Also, I want to make the note, Jordan Aikens, interesting tight end that was being used by the Texans. May want to keep an eye out on him. And Will Fuller dominates the targets for the Houston Texans. He had 10, you know, other guys like Cobb and Cooks did not come close. We got a ton of other games to discuss week one on the horizon. We will do that when we come back right here the early line sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com what is going on everybody welcome back right here this is the early line i am kevin walsh joined 
by Dane Martinez. And it is time to break into this week one slate. Uh, what an absolute treat uh, on the heels of Chiefs Texans. Uh, we just want to keep running through these games, and that's what we're going to do over the course of these next two hours. Uh, and we get it started with an NFC North showdown between the Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears. Over at the FanDuel Sportsbook, you see the Detroit Lions laying three at home, uh, minus 146 on the money line, and the total there of 42 and a half. Uh, the big storylines here from the Lions side of things, healthy Matt Stafford uh, offensively looked great with him on the field last year. Uh, there is some questions about whether Kenny Galladay will be available for this team, which is incredibly important just from uh, what we can expect from this offense. And, of course, those out there that will be playing uh, fantasy, you know, Marvin Jones might be a must start in some lineups if Galladay is going to be absent. On the Chicago Bears side of things the story is Mitch Trubisky and the the quarterback situation there will be the story all year long until we decide we no longer care about that Bears team which to be fair uh, might not take very long but Trubisky still going to get an opportunity to start up against the Detroit Lions here and I, I take a look at this game and there's only one way that I want to play it because I don't want to lay three points with Matt Patricia who has been incredibly poor uh, in the NFC North and actually has yet to beat Matt Nagy. Um, and as much as I'd like to take, uh, take these three points with Nagy, who has been really good in division, in fact, I believe 9-3 uh, is where he sits in division to start his tenure. I, though, don't want to do this because Mitch Trubisky's the starting quarterback. What I will do, though, is I will play this over. 42 and a half feels light to me. I look at the games that Stafford started last year, seven games uh, that he started for this team, and or seven of eight times, rather, that he was the starter for this team. It went over this number. Uh, I expect the Lions to still be able to move the ball. This Bears defense is far removed from what they once were, and I don't think that this Detroit Lions def team defensively is all that good. I think, again, a reasonable person might look at this and worry about needing Mitch Trubisky to carry his part of the load here. But this is a game that I actually think might be uh, at near the 50s, Dane. I, I am expecting this game to go over this 42-and-a-half number. Okay, fair enough. What I want to ask you about this game, because we got to also let people know in terms of some of the injuries that are out there. I don't know if you talked about it, but Kenny Galladay has been missing the last couple of practices. He obviously the number one wide receiver for the Detroit Lions. It sounds like you expect maybe some points to be scored. Uh, how much does the up-in-the-air status of Kenny Galladay matter to you? Yeah, I think it certainly um, limits what we can expect from the Lions to a degree, although I am hoping that they are looking to kind of sling it by any means necessary. Um, yeah, maybe this could remove a couple of points from our, from our numbers. I just think it really just changes our approach in terms of a Marvin Jones, a guy who I would say on a week-to-week -week basis struggle to figure out when you feel confident in starting versus sitting. This yeah. would be a matchup. If he's the clear one, you have to play it. Yeah, absolutely. We also will find out what the uh, balance of work looks like in that Detroit backfield. Remember, at one point they were talking about Kerryon Johnson being the starter. DeAndre Swift, a little bit banged up, did get in a limited practice. And then, of course, they make the move to acquire Adrian Peterson. So we will see how that 
breaks out. Another game that I am very interested in, Kev, the Cleveland Browns go to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. You talked at the beginning of the show that it matters when you get it, and we have seen some movement in this line. This line started, Kev, at all the way up to like eight and a half, almost nine in some places. It is now down to seven and a half. The Cleveland Browns actually had a victory over the Ravens last year. You and I have both been um, finding reasons to think positive regression could be the case in Cleveland. Cleveland, how do you see this one? Is over a touchdown too many points? So, seven and a half, I think, in any of these games feels big on the surface. Wow, they're going to beat this team by two scores, right? You kind of right. start to think it's got to be double digits, 10 or 14. Let me throw something at you, Dane. The Ravens, over their last three week ones, are up on aggregate by a score of 126 to 13. Yeah. Three years ago, they beat the Bengals 20-0. Then they beat the Bills 47-3. And then we all remember last year, 59-10 against the Miami Dolphins. John Harbaugh is excellent in week ones. I think that this team is going to be as hungry a group as you could imagine Mm. after what they did last year and then ultimately not being able to even put one playoff win under the belt. I like the Browns this year. I think that the Browns should be much better than they were last year. And yes... They certainly went out there and competed with this Ravens team and were one of the very few that actually took a game off of them. But right. Baltimore here, laying seven in the hook, maybe a buy it down to seven. I think the Ravens have a good chance to roll. Okay, that would mean covering this over a touchdown spread. So keep an eye out on that. And when we're talking about these things, guys, remember the idea of who wins the game outright and who covers a spread are two very different things. The Browns will have a leader of their offense and a leader of their defense. A four number one pick with a chip on their shoulder on offense, Baker Mayfield. And on defense, Miles Garrett plays that role. Obviously, remember what he got into with Pittsburgh last year and Mason Rudolph. Let me ask you about Baltimore, though, here. My question is this. And we've had these conversations about a number of teams, Kev. What is this backfield? going to look like when we did our exercise back in you know months ago right mid pandemic we considered this clearly a um a committee with the quarterback involved right you know mark Hmm. ingram is still there tried and true the rookie jk dobbins has been getting praise left and right there's still gus edwards we know lamar will run as well how do you expect this to break out and similar is there anything you would be looking for in the prop market it's almost like i'm asking you about the miami heat or the boston celtics right like out of the herd of talent which one Mm -hmm. will emerge how do you think it looks like for the baltimore running backs yeah i think you know you kind of have to start asking yourself do you like this game to go over the number if so then free reign right whether it's ingram lamar Dobbins in there. Look, have a field day. But I believe they had recent comments that they're thinking about using four different backs, and I don't think that includes yeah. Lamar. This is a team that's going to look to mix it up. I think they're going to diversify their approach to the run game uh, continuously. I do mm-hmm. think that when we talk about efficiency, and we saw this last year with Mark Ingram, and you'll, it'll be the same case with a J.K. Dobbins or even a Gus Edwards. These guys are going to make the most out of their carries. They might all average, you know, five yards a clip. That's what happens when Lamar is the one handing it off. They just have to account Mm -hmm. for another guy in the run game. But when you're betting props, most times 
you kind of want a base level of attempts. It's similar when we're talking hoops. If I'm going to go over a guy's points prop, I'd like to yeah. make sure I have a floor of attempts that allows me to feel comfortable. I don't know if you're going to have that in Baltimore. Certainly not in week one. Yeah, no, I think it's true. You may want to wait and see to see how the chips fall in this one, right? But I think you're right. The idea of the efficiency, and you're also right. What happens to the running back and their ability to be efficient when the defense has to account for other things, right? And in some cases with Baltimore, we're saying this. This is obviously Lamar as a runner. I, I, last week, I was talking to you about this as it related to Leonard Fournette right what he might be able to do as a runner because defenses will be playing him differently than ever before in his life and I have a similar thought when we talked earlier uh, in this show about kind of the Kansas City running attack and what they will be running up against so the, the, the case that theory is true regardless of it's like ah what Lamar can do to the run game right like what the other weapons on the outside can do to the run game or if you're just such a dynamic passing offense that they can't bring in that eighth man in the box like maybe seeing with a Leonard Fournette I will say this though um some people are asking me if the Baltimore Ravens are a good survivor pick this mm. week Kev and I gotta tell you my answer is no Okay, because in general, in Survivor, I don't like taking divisional matchups. You know what I mean? They can talk about like throwing the records out the window, that sort of thing. Cleveland did, in fact, get a victory against this team last year. So while they're probably a deserving favorite, it is over a touchdown. I would stay away from them in Survivor. What do you think? I think Survivor is an absolute nightmare this week because I ultimately think a lot of people are going to end up taking a road team in division. Mm. I think that's where you're going to see a lot of people go. I think it's a very, very yeah. tough call. It is a tough call. And, you know, I'll make you laugh right here. Uh, you know, with all the picks and all the plays that we've discussed, you know who my survivor pick was this week? The Kansas City Chiefs. We'll be back with more early line after this with the news update up now. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. Right back here on the early line on SportsGrid, including our radio audience, especially out west with the mightier 1090. I'm Dane Martinez. I got my man, the candle burner, Kevin Walsh, with me as well. It's a football Friday here, and so we continue to look at some of the games, and I find this one intriguing, Kev, up in the NFC North where the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers are going to go into an empty Minnesota Vikings stadium. There's not going to be the huge skull clap going on, and the Vikings are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Kev, this one is one where I worry, or not worry, wonder, about the home field advantage and the fans in the stands because the Vikings are one of those places where at home, their defense plays much better at home. They have that home field advantage. I think this is going to be a case to see the impact of that. You know, the road quarterback Aaron Rodgers is not going to have to go to the, the silent count, things of that nature. I wonder what happens in this matchup. Do you think, I'm not saying that's going to be a factor, but an interesting spot to take note of the lack of fans. Yeah, I think that's a good point when you just uh, consider the um, perception of what Minnesota's fans can bring to the table. What I'm worried about is what happened the last time we were in this spot. In Minnesota, Cousins versus Rodgers. At that point, the division was on the line. 
Now, I will not argue to you that this is a more important game because the division right. is on the line. Yeah, it's week one, yeah. This is a tempo setter. This is a statement to be made by both of these groups. And what happened the last time those teams played where the Vikings were favored over a field goal in that spot. It was five and a half for a lot of the week. It ended up, I think, ultimately closing around four. And Kirk Cousins went 16 of 31 for 122 yards. He didn't even get to mm-hmm. four yards per attempt, which is disgraceful to say the least. I do think Minnesota could be okay this year. That's about that's that's about as the least ringing. That's a strong take. They My could goodness. be okay. They could be okay. <laughs> uh, listen, the the Packers coming back. They could. The I, they could. I get it. Right. For me, I'm going to try and play the total here if I'm going to approach this game under the 44 and a half. When these teams meet up, they are tight, grind them out type of games. This game went under. Both times they played last year, actually not getting to the 40-point mark in both of those meetings. I'm going to look for an under 44.5. I do not want to be playing the side in this game. All right, fair enough. I have some things. You know how this is week one, right? So in a lot of cases, Kev, there's places where we're going to have to see how certain things play out, right? See what emerges to see if it's a trend that you may want to hang your hat on and believe in moving forward. Like you said, a tone setter, right? Um, In some cases in fantasy, we may want to see who emerges. And that is something I'm interested in this one. So for example, example we've heard that alan lazard is likely going to be that number two wide receiver for green bay then there's buzz about mvs valdez scantling i want to see who is the preferred second option for aaron Rodgers, right on the minnesota side this is dalvin cook's rookie year i mean not rookie a contract year right so a lot of people Mm -hmm. are wondering are they going to just like chew them up and spit them out the vikings similar to what we were talking about with other teams they had some games where it was dalvin cook 25 carries kirk cousins will throw for like 180 yards right but it's efficient it's smart and the offense looks good there's other times remember at the beginning of the year last year when Diggs and Thielen were chirping that they weren't getting enough looks right and so I want to see that balance of power for the Minnesota Vikings I also want to see if Justin Jefferson the kid out of LSU can join the party of LSU rookies you know performing in week one do you think we're going to see Justin Jefferson do who do you think will be wide out to for Green Bay uh, yeah, between uh, Justin Jefferson and uh, Ola Beasy Johnson. Beasy Johnson, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't trust Zimmer when it comes to using rookies uh, all that much. I, I think this is a game where go for the top dog. Go for Adam Thielen. There's a reason why mm. he's, you know, was climbing up those draft boards, Dane. is because you start to look around, and you know this, when it comes to wide receivers in fantasy, is anything more valuable than targets? And Adam Thielen has an nope. opportunity to finish – Top five in targets? I don't think that's a stretch to say. Uh, well, might be a stretch, actually, if, if the Vikings are only going to throw the ball 430. Right. But right. target share certainly has yes. a good chance to finish top five. And I say go mm-hmm. for the dog in a big game. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point, right? And and then I love the way you even clarified, right? Target share, because that's another thing that we always talk about, right? There's two things there. One, 
how big is that man's slice of the pie in the pie? But the other part is how big is the pie itself? And I agree with you. Thielen may have a uh, a big percentage of a pie and be a leader in that way, but the Minnesota Vikings passing pie may be smaller than some other teams. So definitely an important thing to note. Our next game, Kev, you know, people think the Jacksonville Jaguars aren't even trying to win. You know, the tank for t- Trevor, right? They are home dogs by seven and a half points this was up to i believe eight or eight and a half at one point they still stand as seven and a half point home dogs 45 and a half is the total in this one i gotta tell you something kev you know we've been talking about this everyone loves the chiefs everyone loves the ravens keep your eye out for the colts in this division and the reasons why for me are things that the general public doesn't love to talk about one the schedule. The Colts have the easiest schedule in the NFL, ranked 32nd right now. They only have two road games against teams with winning records last year, and those are their division games against Houston and Tennessee. The other thing is the number one offensive line in the sport, in my opinion, and don't forget, Kev, they made a pretty big addition to their defensive line over the offseason, which I think is truly undervalued in DeForest Buckner because what does that do it frees up Darius Leonard to make eight million tackles this year I like the Colts a lot do you think they go on the road and win by more than a touchdown so this is really interesting and that offensive line you mentioned is the key yesterday we got the update from Adam Schefter Quentin Nelson they're all universe uh, yeah missed practice with a back injury and then Costanzo Mm -hmm. the tackle and then Kelly the center we're both limited for the second straight day. Now, you take that limited, hopefully they play. But if this team was out three of their five starters in week one, that yeah, would send uh, a shiver down anyone's spine. I think it's important to bring up those numbers that I just mentioned with the Ravens because the Bills were the perceived worst team in football the year that they entered. I remember getting the conversations, them or Bama. The same exact thing was true for the Miami Dolphins. So think about yep. that. And they went week over one. their win total. <laughs> Both, of, Yeah, no, I know. But still, week one, those two teams got absolutely pummeled. Uh, now, all they eventually kind of came back to the fold here. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling with how to expect this Jags team to perform, especially early. I might argue to you that either the Colts win this game and cover an alternate spread of, minus 20 and a half at three to one or Or. the Jags cover. (laughs) Like, I I think I would be pretty surprised to just see this be a 10 point Colts win. This feels like an absolute route or we're sat there going, can you believe that it is 17, 16 ball in Gardner Minshew's hand right now? Yeah, I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, the Jacksonville Jaguars, I believe, upset Houston in week one. I know because I had Houston in my survivor pools in week one that year. And so they are capable of pulling this off. And I agree with you that it's almost like we know what the Colts are going to bring. The question is, will the Jaguars, right, like hang with them, make this a competitive fight at home division, all that stuff? Or do they already have the Cancun on three mindset? And in that universe, could the Colts actually boat race them? I want to make another point, though, with uh, how I mentioned I do like them in the AFC. You know, Kevin, even in the NBA and in all sports, you talk about like 
<clears throat> how you build a team to beat that team in the division that you need to beat or to beat the guy at the top. Mm-hmm. The, the Indianapolis Colts, with their hopefully healthy offensive line, and with Marlon Mack, who was one of those backs last year, who in Arrowhead when the Colts won, you know, it was Marlon Mack, 24 carries, keeping the ball out of Patty Mahomes' hands. And then I heard Frank Reich say something earlier this week, um, which gave Jonathan Taylor, like fantasy owners, fits. He said, we drafted Jonathan Taylor to spell Marlon Mack and keep him fresh. Now, for fantasy, for Jonathan Taylor, maybe that's not great news. But for Colts fans, I think it is, Kev, because I think it means that they are committed to this style of play, and they are going to be smash mouth. And I think that has proven to, if anything, be the right approach to try to contain the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC. They now have a one-two punch. People are talking about Phillip Rivers and how he's still maybe careless. I actually don't think they're going to ask Phillip Rivers to do too much in this offense. I think they are going to be led by this power running game, and I'm interested to see how it looks because if it is strong and what they believe this is their path to the promised land yeah you know them trying to recreate what minnesota did last year makes a little bit more sense because they have a aging quarterback they have the offensive line to do it they have you know a pretty deep backfield that can handle the type of workload the question i'll pull back to you though dana is then what does that mean for this total because even if the Colts are running up and down this field and, and feeling great about themselves, that's going to chew up a lot of clock. Yeah, and uh, you know my answer on this one. I am leaning unders in week one all the time. And yes, Kev, your Kansas City Chiefs, right? They are an amazing offense. So they look great out the gate. You think the Jacksonville mm-hmm. Jaguars are going to? I don't necessarily. You think, a, uh, you know, uh, a new quarterback new pieces right I don't know I know the Chiefs did but they're an amazing generational all-world offense with what many people believe is like the best quarterback of all time at the triggers right so I don't know if that trend continues and I would still go under on this game but boy do we have more games to talk about and we will do that give you the information you need here on sports grid when we come back SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Right here onto the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kevin, we got so many games to discuss. Let's get back into it. This one is interesting. As the Vegas Raiders cross the country and travel in a pandemic to the state of Carolina to see the Panthers. We have another example, Kev, of a home dog. Okay, this time the Carolina Panthers are getting three points. It was two and a half at some point. So think about, like you said, Kevin, when you get it and watch for the hook. The total in this one is 47 and a half. I think the biggest question has to be, Kev, what is this Panthers offense going to look like under new head coach Matt Rule with the new passing game coordinator Joe Brady and under the new quarterback Teddy Bridgewater? What do you expect this to look like? The Saints, LA you or something different i think that this is a team that is going to look to push the ball push the tempo 
Uh, I saw a quote the other day from Joe Brady where he was talking about how many receivers they're going to use because they're going to have no choice. Because the tempo they're going to play at, people are going to be tired, they're going to be active, and and there's going to be a lot of rotation in that receiving room. And we also expect Christian McCaffrey to still be a big part of this team. Uh, You know, Teddy Bridgewater, all he's pretty much done, to be fair, uh, is cover numbers. Last year, unbeaten as the starting quarterback for the Saints. Yes, a part of that is the roster, but he still had to step up and get the job done. And and that's exactly what he did here. Uh, you know, before we get to the side, I, I think the question is for the Panthers, is this a blind over team? As I know you're leading under hmm. one, but no defense, a lot of excitement about the offense. Is this a team that, you know, maybe the first four weeks of the year, we're just going to have to go over? Um, I mean, if you want to plant that flag, right, and have that confidence and faith in what this could look like, yeah, I think there is that potential. I had a couple of shares of Teddy Bridgewater as my QB2 in some leagues, right, because I think he could take that step if this offense, right, becomes what we think it can. And there is no shortage of weapons here, Kev, right? We all know about Christian McCaffrey. Okay, but they have something of a fantasy herd at wide receiver also. And the kind of I think you've heard me say this before the XYZ affair, right? You got the deep guy in Robbie Anderson. You have the emerging young stud in DJ Moore and you have the kind of slot Swiss Army knife in Curtis Samuel. Ian Thomas, I believe, is also a name to watch at tight end, maybe ascending in this offense. So there's no shortage of weapons. I guess the only question right for me, Kev, is how quickly will it all come together? Right. They haven't played opponents. They haven't done, um, you know, anything but these kind of walkthroughs in their own jerseys. I guess the question, how quickly will it come together? Do you think it will all snap into place? Yeah. So and that then kind of pulls us onto the side here. And I've liked Carolina getting this three in their own building for a long time. And my only concern about that is I feel like a lot of people like it. And. You know this, Dan. Hmm. You have to be cautious when everybody That's likes right. an underdog, right? You have yep. to be careful about that. But the reasons sure. are clear to see. Since yeah. Rudin's come back, the Raiders are 3-13 and 13 on the road. I don't trust this team traveling to the East Coast. Now, maybe, and I'd like for you to tell me, if in week yeah. one we shouldn't worry about that because maybe we shouldn't, but... That tends to be what I'm thinking about is how poor this team has been traveling. Uh, But I would be lying if I didn't say I wasn't becoming a little bit concerned about the fact that not only do I feel like a lot of people are loving this Panthers team plus the three, but the number hasn't moved yet to a two and a half. Right. Um, It started at two and a half. And then so it's actually moving in the other direction. It's moving away from the Panthers. Okay, this week started with the Panthers at plus two and a half. Now they are plus three. So they're getting even more love. And you're right, because it's week one. You worry about the travel. Is that a different context? But the body clock is still the body clock, in my opinion. And here's the other thing. We talk about travel as like east to west for the one o'clock start, you know. And I don't know if you buy this, Kev. But because we are in a pandemic, I think just travel in general is going to be more of a hardship, is going to be more like anxiety causing for these guys. You know, if you're making a long trip, okay, from Vegas to Carolina, yeah, there's the body clock issue, which I think remains. But I 
I don't know, Kevin, like, have you been on a plane in the last six months? I haven't, you know? So I just think that any travel is a little bit interesting. What do you think about this uh, Raiders side real quick? You know, we've talked about Renfro. We've talked about rugs. We've talked about Braylon Edwards. How do you think that piece shakes out? Because I do think Carr is going to have to throw a bit. And this past defense of Carolina is a way to attack them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the defense in terrible uh, in general is just going to be terrible. Uh, I think Josh sure. Jacobs uh, has the opportunity to have a monster day. Um, I'm excited to see where his rushing yards prop is at. Uh, I could very well see myself going over that number. Uh, I'm going to be interested to see what we have on a Henry Ruggs to score a touchdown prop. Uh, mm. I'll be looking in that market as well. All it takes uh, is one. I know this is something that you and I have disagreed on a little bit here about who's going to be top dog. When it comes to the Raiders passing game outside of Darren Waller, uh, you like Hunter Renfro. I totally understand why. I like Henry Ruggs. No, fair enough. And, and and just for the clarification here, you know, when you talk about the term top dog, right? Like, I, I think it's um, it's almost like, can they share that honor on some level, right? Because I think Ruggs is the right bet in terms of yards and touchdowns. But I think Renfro is the right bet in terms of receptions. You know what I mean? So because they do different things, I think it depends on which one you would anoint as top dog if, like, those statistical leaders were split, you know, in multiple ways. But, yes, we will see how it shakes out. Um, another very interesting game to talk about here is what will the New England Patriots look like, Kev? You know, they're at home. They got the Miami Dolphins coming in. The Miami Dolphins, led by Brian. Flores, former Patriots coach, you know, and I think that's a interesting dynamic. I also, Kev, you know me, I'm an old man at this point, and you're a millennial, so sometimes I get the how many years ago did this happen wrong. We laughed about that at times, but a mm -hmm. few years ago at this point, remember, it was week one, Dolphins Patriots, when the Dolphins broke out the Wildcat. Remember that? And it was new, mm -hmm. and it was different, and Ronnie Brown went off. I am very excited to see not that but i'm excited to see how cam newton is used for the patriots offense in a similar way because we might see some options we may see him as the goal line back what do you think josh mcdaniels has up his sleeve for cam so i think what you're kind of alluding to there is why this is one of my favorite bets on the board over 42 points in this game uh, now, I think there's a good chance that the Patriots uh, cover this number, but I think that this team is going to be a little bit of the inverse of what they were last year. All-world mm. defense for a lion's share of that season. They were the best defense in the league, and it wasn't even close. The offense, though, uh, at times left a lot to be desired. I think that this team lost a decent amount uh, of at least depth, bodies, on the defensive side of the ball, and this is certainly not the year you want that to be the case. So I think they're going to be a little bit more vulnerable on that side. And I think this Patriots offense has the opportunity to be so explosive to start the year solely through being unpredictable. No, they do not have yeah. a great receiving core. They don't. They don't have a backfield that you look at and go, well, look at this guy. Look at this guy. They lost Dante Scarnecchia, who considering how many people know who the offensive line coach of the Patriots right. was, goes to show how valuable he was for that team in that regard. But I think that this is going to be a team that scores points. I think that this is going to be a team, though, that gives up more points. I like this over 42. And I think I want to lay the six and a half because even if I think they lost some defensive talent, I still look at this Dolphins team and the offensive line, it still being anything, you know, other than a bottom five sure. unit would be surprising. They had some opt-outs through the receiving core 
And mm-hmm. what we know from Ryan Fitzpatrick is every other year, you know, three interceptions from him in this game is not an outrageous state. Absolutely. You put up Ryan Fitzpatrick in the same way as Jameis Winston and Phillip Rivers throwing up those YOLO balls and the newness in Miami, I think, matters as well. Both star- both of their running back, Howard and Breida, are new. A point I will also make, you talk about some of the receivers who opted out for Miami. The ones who are in are banged up a little bit. Preston Williams and Devontae Parker still on the injury report for Miami. So watch what happens in practice today. Remember, Kev, we want to see that trend line okay there are some players that go from limited to dnp that ain't good all right and there's some that are going in the other direction so keep an eye out on what those dolphins receivers do kev before we go to break let's stay in the afc east because there's another game in the afc east the new york jets 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 travel up to buffalo maybe they will go through a table as though they are the dudley boys the bills are six and a half point favorites at home this is one of the lower totals on the board kev only 39 and a half at last check a lot of people are high on these buffalo bills i'm one of them i think this defense which was top five last year returns most of their talent they got some playmakers for josh allen the young ascending quarterback trading for Steph. On Diggs, drafting Zach Moss, who I think is going to be an interesting piece of this offense. And people think the Jets are sort of like a laughing stock, right? How will Le'Veon Bell be used? Key members of the defense opting out, like CJ Mosley. Um, I'm a Jets fan, yet I'm okay laying the six and a half. No, I think that, that speaks volumes. Uh, for me, yep. the total of 39 and a half, I think there's a world where we can look back on this and say, can you believe they had a Jets game with a total of 39 and a half? Because you think they're going to be like 33 team... by the end of, by October? No, I think that it might be 45. This defense is without oh, okay. talent, period. There's just nobody there. I don't think you can push back on it. They lost Jamal Adams, you know, from, yeah. via the trade. Uh, yeah. CJ Mosley opts out. What's yep. there defensively to scare people? I think they're going to have no choice but to try and get creative on offense. We know that there's a lot hmm. of new weapons and uh, different pieces that they lo- look to bring in. You know, sometimes you see these low numbers on the board, and it, maybe you should just be playing them under, but uh, I tend to think that we could see some points in this game. And also, uh, I might look to isolate the Bills' total, though, here. Their own team ah, yes. three and a half with the addition of Diggs and attacking this Jets defense. You know, and and that's interesting because I looked at this too because of my lack of confidence in the Jets' offense. I looked at the individual team totals and I saw that, that the Bills were at like 20-something. The Jets are at 15 and a half. You think they're scoring more than two touchdowns in this one against that Bills' defense? You know, that's an interesting point to me. What about the Jets? Last check I saw was like 15, 15 and a half. Yeah, it's up to 16 right now, but the juice is still that under. Oh, yeah. A lot of Jets love out there. Uh, from uh, boy, That is just not a team that I am over the moon okay. about backing. But let me just make this point. You will see this at times. Uh, there are inefficiencies in the market. So the Jets okay. team total is 16. The home team total for the Bills right. is 23 and a half. Well, Dan, that's setting right. the hook. So you can absolutely argue that you're getting value on the six and a half. Yeah, that makes a good point. One other thing, it's not a full-on pushback of what you said about the Jets' defense, but 
They didn't have C.J. Mosley last year, except for like three quarters against this Buffalo Bills team. And one thing that they did do well, Kev, is stop run. Okay, they were second in the NFL um, in terms of stopping the run. So I am intrigued to see if, you know, they can stop the run. If maybe Quinn Williams takes a step forward in year two even, right? I If they can stop that run, I'm going to be excited to see what it looks like with Josh Allen having it on his arm, having to find Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, the boy Dawson Knox, and others out there, right? If the Jets can stop the run, and they were second best in the NFL last year in doing so. Now, is that going to win games? Not necessarily, but I do want to see what it looks like and how Josh Allen would respond. We have more games to discuss in hour number two. And also, as you know, and as I said at the top of the show, it is a very special day here in the United States of America. We'll talk about that as well when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, I said it at the top of the show, and it's almost amazing to think, like, 2020, we have this pandemic going on. We have this unrest in the country going on. And a lot of people say, like, you know, they're going to remember 2020. Remember where they were. Remember the last time they had a big social event. Well, it is also the 19th anniversary of 9-11, another day that changed this country forever, right? Like, we were talking about it off air. You're a little younger than I am. Don't necessarily remember it exactly. I remember it like it was yesterday. I will never forget, as we say. But I also want to talk about, like, the sports world in that, Kev. You know, like, how in this pandemic we talked about we want to have sports back for some normalcy. I remember after 9-11, Piazza hitting the home run, George Bush throwing out the first pitch in that Yankees Diamondbacks World Series, the offensive lineman of the Patriots running out there with the flag in the day, in the week after 9-11. Yet another example of how sports and our society are so intertwined. But today, on the 19th anniversary of 9-11, a day that changed this country forever, we take a minute to remember um, what happened in that day and all the lives that were lost. Yeah, I, th- I think you think to how uh, people did use the sports to come together, try and yeah. um, find um unity if possible yeah and you compare that to where we are today and the sports world trying very very hard to bring people together now some might argue to you that they're actually dividing but that's i think so people not opening their mind to the actual message that's being delivered i think you know just a a simple gesture of locking arms uh that we saw from the chiefs and the texans and uh, hopefully people can can see what those athletes are doing and understand that it is a message of unity that they are trying to bring forward. Yeah, I think that's true, right? And, and, and we talk about the power of sports, being able to do that if it is used for good or if it is used to be divisive or what have you. But the power of sports in this country, we saw it in the quote-unquote moment of unity uh, yesterday before kickoff, and we remember it here on the 19th anniversary of 9-11 and to all the lives that were lost and all the lives that were never changed 
um, which will never be the same in this country here in New York City and in Pennsylvania and in D.C. We come back. Hour number two of the early line is up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 